0: Well hey hey what's up everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller podcast. This is episode number 413, and today we're going to be talking about a topic that I'm very interested in and probably going to be doing here in 2018. And that is expanding your brand and products globally. You might have heard about doing this and you might be like me thinking, "Wow, there's probably a lot that needs to go into this thing and What does all of this stuff mean as far as like VAT and VAT and, you know, all these different terminologies and how do you transfer money from, you know, the country that you sold it into, you know, the U.S. or vice versa? Like, what does it take? Like, to me, there's a lot of different questions that need to be answered. Now, I did have uh, Jason McGee, a good friend of mine now. I met him through Jeff Cohen from Seller Labs, but he actually works for a company, World First, that helps sellers like us transfer that money and actually get you a better rate and all of that stuff. But he came on to give us some tips uh, back in episode 360. If you did not catch that episode, I would definitely say go listen to that one after this episode. But I was introduced to today's guest, Lucy Marshall, through Jason McGee. They actually work together and combined, the two of them have a ton of experience helping a lot of different sellers, international sellers, or people that are just starting that want to go international, and they know what it takes. They also have something really important, and that's connections. Um, So when I do decide to go globally, I will be using these guys as my resource. Trust me, that is definitely who I'm going to be using. Now, let me just give you a little bit of a backstory on Lucy. She is a... uh, A graduate of the University of Georgia. She currently manages e commerce partnerships for World First. Prior to her working for World First, she worked for a private label brand with focus on driving B2B and B2C e commerce sales. So she's no stranger, okay, to private labeling. And that's what I love about this. I'm not going out there and finding someone that kind of knows a little bit about it. Like, She knows a lot about it because she's been in the trenches, okay? She's also directly sold in multiple channels with different e-commerce businesses, and she was able to help these companies make a positive gain or impact their sales by generating sales outside of just the one channel, okay? And we're talking channels today like globally, but we could be talking other platforms, okay? Now, she has spent the past two years with World First, but also focusing on helping U.S. Amazon sellers successfully expand their businesses into new markets, and that's why I wanted to have her on, because now she's really concentrating and developing partnerships with other e-commerce people, businesses in this space, us, and then bringing them to the market, all right? And that's why I can't wait for you guys to listen to this conversation because I just wanted to get down to business and get through this stuff. So that's what you have to look forward to today. So if you're at all interested in selling globally, whether it's now or whether it's in the future, this is going to be a great episode for you. And then I'll also link up in the show notes, episode 360, where I had Jason McGee on who is also uh, someone that works with World First and also right alongside Lucy Marshall. So guys, I'm going to stop talking now so you guys can enjoy this. The show notes can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 413. You're going to definitely want to grab those because there's a lot of meat here and you're going to want to grab those so when you are ready or if you are ready now, you'll have it all in one place. All right, guys. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview that I did with Lucy Marshall. Well, hey, Lucy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing so well. Thanks so much for having me, Scott. I appreciate
0: it. Yeah, it's kind of like your Friday today, though, you just told me. You're going to be going for a hike. I'm jealous.
1: (laughs) I know. I'm psyched. It's the fastest work week I've ever had. It's only Tuesday right
0: now. (laughs) Yeah, the timer recording is Tuesday. I said to you, yeah, I said to you, I go, yeah, the week's just getting started. You go, no, no, actually, it's coming to the end for me. I'm going to be going hiking. I'm like, damn, that sounds fun. Cool. And I'm clocking
1: out at three.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that'll be fun. Um, all right. So, yeah, I wanted to get you um, on the podcast to really kind of go through and kind of give people, I guess, the overview, kind of like what it takes to expand, uh, you know, their e-commerce business globally, and and really what they need to understand because there's a lot of moving pieces. A lot of people make it sound easy, um, and I know myself, I have not went global yet. Um, considering it, but we're not there yet. We're trying to really dial things in, in the U S market first. And then from there we can, we can start to, you know, go a little bit more global. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I really want you to kind of give us all of the ins and the outs, but in a way that we can digest it and, and make it where we can understand it and also be aware of some of the things that you need to be aware of that you know, it's not that easy, right? It's like, you have to go through these things. So this way here we're prepared and, uh, and we know what we're going to be up against when we decide to get going.
1: Absolutely. Um, and Scott, to your point, I've been working, uh, at world first pretty closely with e-commerce sellers who are working to grow their brand. They're really interested in taking advantage of the opportunity in those global markets, um, right now, Amazon has over 11 storefronts glo- or marketplaces globally. They have customers in 185 uh, countries. And e-commerce still only makes up for 10 percent of overall commerce. So in terms of opportunity, there's huge sales potential in these countries with less competition. The markets are not as saturated as the U.S., but they're still um, getting almost as many unique views as the U.S. Mm. Um yeah. that's so And
0: and that and that's exciting. Um, mm-hmm. but also it's for me, I think, I think to myself, okay, now I got to set up different business entities and all of this <laughs> stuff. Right. And I know that you're going to kind of go through all that stuff. Cause that is the yeah. scary part of it. It's right. It's, if it was just me saying like, sure, just, you know, sell my stuff globally. It sounds great. Um, but there are some things that we need to be aware of. Um, I want people to also know that, you know, you've actually worked very closely with private label brands, even before I believe that you were working, um, uh, for Four world, world first, is that correct?
1: Yes, so I was working um, for a small brand back in D.C. and we had we had both a B2B and B2C business, and we we're really working on growing our e-commerce channels and working really closely uh, with Amazon distribute distributors in addition to selling on our own e-commerce site. Mm-hmm. And what I'm learning in retrospect, kind of looking at that, we really saw the one Amazon distributor that we worked with that was selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were selling to B2B, but that automatically spiked our sales from that one account. And what I'm learning now is how much more beneficial that would have been to manage our own Amazon storefront, really figure out a way to better distribute those sales and get that higher margin um, as you are selling at the retail price point across multiple channels.
0: Mm, okay. Yeah. And I just kind of wanted to highlight that because I want people to understand like you're you're actually someone that's been in it as far as like in the trenches and, and, and you still kind of are because you're working with businesses, but you know, it's kind of like you understand the private label model. You know what I mean? Like you, you get it.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. And the headaches from shipping from a manufacturer in China, getting it to fulfillment, right. making sure everything's coming in correctly. Because we certainly had snafus with. That along the way, and it's not um, an easy thing to manage by any stretch, Mm. Um, but certainly once you do go through all that legwork of getting your product manufacturing, going through all the branding, creating the listing optimization and the awareness, you really want to be able to spike those sales and take advantage of every marketplace you could be selling on. So I'm kind of curious, Scott, from your perspective, yeah. what are your biggest hurdles right now in terms of potentially making that expansion globally?
0: Okay. So here's the thing that comes to mind. I, I love this actually how you kind of reversed it on me because it's, it's actually where we are. I love that actually, by the way, when, whenever my guests do that, they're like, Scott, let's sit down and talk about your personal problem. Uh, I, I like that. Um, so no, it, and it's, it's real because you know, we have a new brand that I'm partnered with, and'm I'm, I'm super excited about this brand. I think there's a big, big potential for this brand. I'm talking seven figure brand, maybe more. Like I see a big potential for this brand. Um, we are building it as a brand. We're not building it as just like a one-off product or even like an open brand concept. It, it's like you know specifically going to be you know targeting certain markets. But um, we are just ramping things up now. I think we have like nine or ten SKUs. Um, our problem right now is inventory is keeping inventory uh-huh. in stock, which is a good problem to have, but it's still a managing the finances, you know, the cash flow and all that stuff. So then when I start to think about introducing another marketplace, I think number one legal entity, number one comes to mind. Secondly, uh-huh. I think to myself, okay, I need to supply another fulfillment center with more product. Because they're not going to take this stuff unless you tell me that I'm not correct in thinking this. But the stuff that I ship into Amazon here is not going to be served over, you know, in the UK market. So I have to have a central location over there that that could be a distribution center for my other products. And I have, if I'm going to order 3,000 units here, I got to order another 3,000 for there or maybe 1,500 for there. So now I have two different lines of inventory that I'm going to have to manage. Um, and not to mention just the banking side of things. So those are like the main things that come to mind. And that's what kind of like, before we go there, let's make sure we get everything going here (laughs) and then we can start thinking about the next thing. So educate me. (laughs)
1: Uh, All right, perfect. Well, let's kind of look at those pain points you just mentioned and walk through them. So in terms of creating an entity in each uh, country location, you don't actually have to do that to sell on Amazon marketplaces. Most of the clients we work with are registered in the US, they have the LLC. And because they work with us specifically, they are able to have a banking solution in each country without having to go through that additional registration process. Okay. What you will need to register for in every country you're selling in is a VAT number. Mm -hmm. This just stands for value added tax. Um, It's really for the UK and EU. Mm -hmm. And that's so you can pay the government your taxes. Um, Amazon, the UK government uh, saw that they lost out on 1.2 billion (laughs) in taxes from (laughs) international Amazon sellers that had not registered before their VAT number. So that is something Amazon is diligently cracking down on this year. If you don't have it, there's potential to get shut down on your storefronts. You really just want to make sure that you have that covered. Okay. Um, traditionally, this has taken three to six weeks to get set up. But what's interesting that Amazon's about to roll out is they are working with VAT providers to do that in-house. So Amazon's new solution to get VAT numbers registered, that's going to be Faster and cheaper than going through the traditional routes right now. Um, so they're making that really easy because they're trying to bring more sellers to these global markets to a make more product available in those markets and b um, bring more Western products to the rest of the world.
0: Okay, so all right, and so and, and that makes sense. Like they they mm-hmm. they want to basically uh, make it easier for us actually to you know Amazon that is they want to make it easier for us because they don't want that to be an issue so we we don't sell and I get that so as of right now though for me I have to think to myself okay how do I get the VAT what do, what's the what do they need when I go through that process and then when I also go through that process is it another thing like for us here, like sales tax, we have to, then we have to calculate that. And that's another thing that monthly has to get sent or your quarterly taxes. Like, so all of those things start to come into mind. I got another tax ID somewhere. What does that uh-huh. mean for the company and who's going to manage that?
1: Sure. And there are, uh, I have accounts that have managed that themselves and chosen to be very diligent in looking up the rules. For me personally, I don't do my own taxes. So like I always, that's something I find someone to help me with, especially going into, if your business is going into a different country, Mm -hmm. I would recommend working with a provider, making sure that you have all of the paperwork in correctly. And then that is something you pay quarterly um, to the government.
0: Okay. And and just so I Understand so the the VAT number like so now the taxes it what what is what is the taxes that is required from me as being someone that's selling in the UK now, uh you know like is it a is it kind of like a sales tax that gets added to the purchase price and then they have to pay it and then I have to just send it in or is it actually uh like a quarterly IRS tax where, you know it's on my money that I'm making.
1: I. Uh- I believe it is off the price of your product. So you do have to factor in that value-added tax into the price of your product. Okay. So it's not uh, the same as the U.S. where you have your price and then the sales tax that gets added to Mm -hmm. it and then you check out. That's something you do have to factor into your pricing as you're going into these new markets. Gotcha. Additionally, you will need a number for each country you are shipping out of. So if you're just shipping out of the UK, then you just need the VAT for the UK. But if you are shipping into the rest of the pan EU, that is something you'll need as well.
0: Okay. All right. So, and I mean, I I don't know. I mean, is there, is there resources out there of, of companies that will actually do that process for you that you know of, or is that something you just have to do some research on?
1: Uh, That is something, so there are companies, say, like Meridian and Avask that both um, help you set up the numbers, do the registrations, and then we'll talk you through what the pricing and what you should factor into for those global markets. Okay. Um, And then I believe some of the global repricers we work with um, are able to work with you in making sure that your products are correctly priced for what you're selling as well to include that.
0: Got you. Okay. Mm Okay. So, okay. So, okay. So we, ha- that that's something that definitely has to be figured in and we have to kind of like figure out that part of it, but that is a hurdle um, that we will have to overcome, but it's not something that you can't overcome. It's just a matter of, of kind of doing it, getting that system in place and doing it. Um, so, yes. So that's like, that's like, and, and that's kind of a big one in the beginning because you're thinking to yourself like, you know, this is going to be more paperwork. This is going to be more, you know, I'm kind of like on the map now as a business in another country. And, yada, yada, yada. So you start to think of stuff. So you have to say to yourself, is that worth the gain that you're going to get from the sales coming in from this other country? Because if you do all this work now, and then you see that your sales aren't really where they are, it's a matter of, is it even worth it to sell in there anymore?
1: Right. And that is research you should be doing right off the bat. The same research that you are doing to start your private label brand on an Amazon storefront, whether that's looking at the BSR, um, looking at rankings and ratings, you should be doing that in these global markets as well. Mm -hmm. Because the last thing you want to do is ship product over there without doing that research and then have it not move. And then Mm. you've got, you know, 3000 units in Germany. So that's... Absolutely, something you want to do. Okay. Um, I know Amazon's global business team has worked to do some of that analysis with sellers, and there are other third-party companies as well that will do analysis in those foreign markets. So that way, you can have a better sense of, all right, this would be my margin if I'm selling here, and this is the opportunity for my business.
0: Got gotcha. you. Okay. So we got we <clears> got to <throat> do a little bit of research, just as we would in any other market. What about the fulfillment now? Like is, what's the fulfillment solution? Because I I mean, to me, it's like, all right, do I have to ship to, you know, if I'm selling in three different countries, do I have to ship to three different countries now? So I have three different, you know, three different batches of inventory that I have to send in and on top of the U.S. one.
1: Um, I, it's to the best of my knowledge right now, Amazon has what's called the pan EU program. And what you can do if you're signed up for this is ship a container or you know, limited container load over to that initial, um, Amazon FBA site, and then they will distribute for you based on those markets. Um, so I, to going to the UK and EU to the best of my knowledge right now, that's just one freight load. You have to get over there. Um, additionally, if you don't want to expand to all of those markets yet, you could potentially just start with the UK and just ship to, uh, Amazon's UK fulfillment center. This might be a great option because there's also no translation barrier in that marketplace, Mm. um, especially for private label sellers who have to redo all of their listings, make sure everything's localized in the country. Uh, not having that big language barrier is a really easy first step. And that is one of the largest markets outside of the U S okay. So I certainly encourage clients to look into Expanding that way first.
0: Okay, so you're saying the UK is probably one of the, I guess, more popular ones, or the ones that would be probably a, a first start to look yeah, into. Yeah, in
1: terms in in terms of size of sales and revenue okay. coming in, I believe it's U.S., Germany, and the UK. Okay. With all of the UK and EU getting almost the same unique views per month that the U.S. is. Gotcha. So that is certainly a large market.
0: Yeah, I've been hearing Germany um, has been has been starting to uh, to sound. Like it's starting to really pick up. Um, and again, but that's one of those things too, then that, that may be a translation issue, right? Because if things are being purchased in Germany, then, then possibly it's going to have to be translated into German. So yes, I guess that's another factor that you have to figure yeah. into. And you got to look at the sales. Again, if we're looking at the sales and we're looking at uh, potential, um, then that's got to be factored mm-hmm. in as well. Um, and I'm looking at your notes here and, and again, you know, shipping and logistics you have here, um, because you know, you have to, you kind of figure that stuff out and you have here, you know, a, a lot of times if, um, if you're shipping, depending on the size and all that stuff that could play a factor, lightweight items generally work better. Um, but it doesn't mean that the heavier ones won't, if the profit margins there, can you speak a little bit to that?
1: Um, we have clients that fulfill a variety of different ways. We have those that and it's usually those with slightly larger products. Maybe it makes more sense from a weight and shipping perspective to do a freight or container Pallet load over to the Amazon FBA centers in the UK and EU, and then they choose to fulfill that way. We do have some very large clients here in the states that are selling smaller items like vitamins or health and beauty products, and they're choosing to do parcel shipments uh, just directly to the customer in the UK and EU, um, and making the customer aware it's going to take a couple more days, but that they find that works best for their business, and then they can still fulfill from their warehouse in the states without having any of the additional FBA fees or worrying about where their additional inventory is.
0: Okay, okay, yeah that makes that makes sense. Um, the other okay. thing you have here is are your products localized for the storefront? So let's talk okay. about that really quickly.
1: So one of my favorite examples of this is I was talking to a client one day and he was selling clothes and he was like, I realized why my sales in the UK have been lagging. And I was like, why is that? And he says, I keep calling them pants. (laughs) And no one in the UK is trying to buy pants. They all look for trousers when they're doing their listing optimization or their search words. So it's one of those things where you need to be aware of the nuances of language and working with translation companies can really help you to do this. There are starting to be more and more global listing companies that will help you optimize and help you do the keywords in those different languages, um, just to make sure that you are listing your products the way that specific consumer is
0: shopping. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And that, that makes total sense. I mean, we, we've kind of used that example, even here in the States, it's like different state to state. They, they talk about like sneakers are, you know, here in the South are tennis shoes. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's like, you know, I wouldn't call them that because I'm not from originally from here in South (laughs) Carolina, which I am now, but it's when I call them sneakers, it's like, oh, you mean tennis shoes? It's like, yeah, I guess so. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so it's just, we all have, I mean, soda is pop sometimes, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) it's just different ways to describe it and that can make a huge difference, um, depending, but yeah, translation I could see could be a huge, a huge thing. And that's again, where you have to understand if you're going into, you know, a market that is uh, different, especially into a foreign market, you know, it's, it most likely is going to be described as something different. Um, so that's a, that's a great point. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and again, here, I'm just looking through your notes here, but you know, and you, you really do stress that, you know, a lot of times it's going to be easier if you, if you deal with like the UK because of that, you know, that language is, is there, it's not the anything different. We don't have to really worry about optimizing differently, really. Um, we can pretty much just take what we have and kind of make sure we do the research, but then adapt it to the UK market and then kind of just see what happens at that point.
1: Absolutely. Um, And because even with some of the exchange rates, um, because you're able to even price those products a little bit higher, and then you're getting the return um, from the pound to dollar as well. So there's a lot of, I love the option of expanding to the UK, because I think the sales are there, the exchange rate is there, and then you don't have that additional burden of translation, um, and just a little bit of localizing that you have to do on that marketplace.
0: Gotcha. And the other thing I see here, you, you have a note as make sure none of the ingredients in your products are restricted. So, right.
1: So that's another thing you have to be really aware yeah. of. Yeah. Um, that's different for every country, um, selling in each government has its own set of restrictions and, set of ingredients that are okay or not okay or approved by their health association. So you do have to really make sure and just double do your due diligence, especially if you are selling something like health and beauty or vitamins, um, and if they're private label as well to make sure that none of your ingredients are restricted. I know perfume's another really big one that, um, mm. can get you suspended if you're not looking at those lists.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. And again, that's the same thing in the states. Like you have to understand, especially if you're getting into topical or things that you're you're uh, you're putting on your skin or things that you're putting in your in your mouth or any of that stuff, um, you have to be you have to be really careful with that stuff. Um, so definitely, you know make sure you do the research on that for sure. Um, okay, so lastly, um, in this in this uh, this equation of of really getting our our products out there globally, uh, you know, we've went through getting you know getting the VAT. Um, or at least like how that works. Um, And then from there, we're talking about getting our product over there and kind of doing our research, making sure that the sales are going to be at least a potential there for that market. And you're saying probably start with one marketplace rather than going to all 11, Um, you know, so this way here, you can kind of get through that process. Um, But the last part of it is like, how do we get our money now? Like how do we bring our funds back to us and how do we do it effectively? And that's where I think World First is going to come in. And and that's what I want you to really dig into now.
1: Yes. And especially after going through all those steps, I'm like, we are definitely the easiest to get set up, which is probably beneficial for everyone to hear. Right. Um, But... Just so everyone is aware, um, when you are selling on a marketplace and you're based in the States, uh, a marketplace like Amazon will handle that conversion for you. So if you're selling in the U.K., they'll send your pounds back to dollars, but they are taking a pretty hefty uh, percent out of that. Okay. The benefit of working with World First is we are able to open uh, domestic in-country receiving accounts for you in every country that you're selling in. So if you're selling in the UK, we'd have a pound account. EU, we'd have euros. And then that's also available um, in Japan, China, Australia, um, and Canada as well. So... You have one online login and then you're able to manage all of those currencies from one place, manage your transfers, and have a dedicated in-house relationship manager who's able to look at when the rates are going to be volatile, say, "Hey, maybe you should look at booking a Ford contract for the next six months because this is predicted coming down the tracks. So it's really benefit beneficial to have someone in your corner to make sure that you're aware of what's coming down the rate uh, the tracks with rates. Um, In addition to that, having more control over your money and bringing more money home from those storefronts.
0: Okay. So lead lead me through, like if I didn't have a company like world first to actually do that, how Mm -hmm. does it work? Like, um, do I'm like, I get paid every two weeks from Amazon right now. Mm -hmm. So does it just automatically, like once I set up my account for selling in the UK? do they just automatically then just convert it and then just send it to me in in U.S. dollars?
1: Yes. So in your Seller Central, you would list your U.S. bank account if you didn't have one in the U.K. already. Okay. So you would still continue to get those biweekly disbursements. They would just show up in your um, account. And the most common thing when I ask sellers, you know, how are you bringing your sales home? They just say, well, Amazon's doing that. And then I ask, Uh, Are you aware of the rate that they're giving you to send that back and they're for the most part, unaware that there's even a conversion happening because Amazon's not transparent of when or at what rate they're actually sending your funds. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been my experience that that can be you know, anywhere between 3 to 4% of that bottom line. So uh, we can definitely be more competitive on those rates and it ends up over the course of a year saving you potentially hundreds or thousands of dollars that you can then reinvest to put more inventory in those FBAs. Uh, spaces.
0: Okay. So, okay. And again, just to kind of distill this down. So, mm-hmm. uh, my money comes in from the UK into um, an, an account that I set up over there. But then when it gets translated or gets kind of converted, um, and then Amazon is going to help us with that. But they're going to charge us like three to 4% to do that. So, I mean, well, I'm just throwing a yes. number out there. They're, they're going to charge us a percentage to do that. What you're yes. saying is if I used a company like yours, you're gonna do that for us at a lesser of a rate, and that's where I'm gonna make additional money. That's actually my money anyway. It's just um it's like getting a better percentage rate on my loan that I have, maybe.
1: I, essentially, yes. And these accounts are free to open and free to maintain. And the one thing we really pride ourselves on as well is transparency. Mm-hmm. So the other thing I would say that you're losing out on when using Amazon to manage your uh, currency conversion is the lack of transparency and the lack of ability to control your own transfers. Okay. Um, Brexit is a great example of this. We had clients who had received funds in; they had maybe been collecting their funds for a couple of weeks because they hadn't been ready to make a transfer. And then they transferred it right before Brexit happened. Um, when Brexit happened, we saw, I believe, a 10% move in the rates uh, against the favor of the seller. So by virtue of those sellers being in control of their funds and being in control of when they could move them, they got a much better rate because they moved it before we saw that big slide.
0: Gotcha. So it's kind of like knowing when to pull the money or, or being able to look at the rate and saying, you know, I don't need the money to, to be pulled right this second. I'm going to wait and see if the rate is better in a week right? like that.
1: Yes, and it it depends on your cash flow and it depends on when uh, you want to move your money. And again, mitigating risk, it often becomes a bit easier to just keep trading consistently. But if you know you know, there's going to be a bit of volatility and you want to wait that out. You have the ability to leave your funds in the account or transfer them, uh, depending on whether or not you need the
0: funds. So is the like cause what I'm thinking to myself is I'm thinking cash flow. I'm thinking like, you know, mm-hmm. I can't tie up my money. I need that money to come back in, reinvest in inventory, maybe pull out my profit, you know, you know, you know, for, you know, whatever paying employees, whatever. So like, if, if that's the case, is there a way that I can lock in a rate at all? Or is there, or, or is it always going to be floating?
1: Um, it's, you can lock in what we call, uh, or forward contracts. So let's say you are expecting to move half a million dollars in sales over the next six months, you are able to lock in a rate for that time for that. uh, And we would need a deposit to do that. Mm -hmm. But the benefit of doing that, the rates will continue to fluctuate over that time. But by buying a rate that you are comfortable with, you are then protecting your price margin because you know exactly what you're going to be getting back right. every time. And then you just have consistency in the way you're moving your business. Gotcha. So we do have clients that are locking in that rate and then trading down from that as a way to just mitigate that risk long term uh, if they're expecting to move a lot in sales.
0: What's Is there a common thing that people are doing? Are businesses that are that are you know doing this and using your services, is there a common thing or are people just like allowing the market to kind of fluctuate?
1: It, it depends um, truly on the business and what their cash flow is. Okay. We have clients that kind of do strictly forward contracts and then we have others that uh, just go by the daily rate because they know some days it'll be up, some days it'll be down. We have absolutely zero control over the race. So the only thing we can advise on is that it's going to constantly be moving. Right. right. Um so it's just kind of it completely depends on their
0: business. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and that makes I mean it, it makes it, I guess, that's one of the things that you wouldn't need to worry about. I mean, obviously when I'm ready to go global, I'll be I'll be definitely uh reaching out and, and really using you guys because I, I know that uh you know, it's it's something that I'm not going to want to deal with, and I'm also going to want to save some money if I can. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. with my money. Yeah. So it's something like, and and I feel as though you know you guys are, and there's there's probably other companies out there that uh, well, I don't want to you know say that they're not trustworthy, but it's I, I like to know who I'm doing business with, um, and I, I know that you're uh, you know a, a huge part of, of the team over there, and uh, and and really understanding the process for a private labeler, I also think is another big one. Um, because it's not always the same as just a regular traditional business. Um, you know, so I, I do appreciate you kind of giving us the ins and the outs. Is there any other thing that you want to add that you think that we need to know about going global?
1: truthfully, I think it's once you get in there and really being able to expand your product and there's so much more that you can do once you are over there in terms of listing optimization, in terms of keyword research. Mm -hmm. Those are really the high levels steps of the setup. And once you are on those places, there's so much more you can do to really suck those sales and continue to make relationships with new providers who can really help grow um, in those marketplaces. So I'd say it's really similar probably in a lot of regards to selling on Amazon in the U.S. in the sense that there's always something changing, there's always something new coming down the track. So just be prepared for that flexibility and that opportunity again in these new marketplaces
0: cool yeah no I, I i love it i mean it again it's there there's a you know there is a, some some steps that need to be done but i think again if you've done the research if you know that there's a market there for your products then it's definitely something that you should be looking into and, uh, and and possibly launching your products across other marketplaces. I mean, it's kind of like a no-brainer, but you have to get through those steps. So by you sharing these with us, I think that's given us definitely an outline. Um, I will link everything up in the show notes. Um, if you guys want to learn more about World First, you can head over to the amazing seller.com forward slash world first. And, um, can anyone reach out to you guys in there and speak to someone about this or can they email someone? How would that work?
1: Absolutely. You can just email me. My email is Lucy L U C Y dot Marshall M A R S H A L L at world com. I'm more than happy to answer any and all questions. Um, anyone has, and if you need help getting set up, walk you through that process as well.
0: Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Okay. So then that's what I'm going to do. I'm (laughs) going to link everything up in the show notes. I'll link your email up and I'll also leave the direct link. So this way here, they can go to world first, check it all out. But I think they're definitely going to want to probably reach out, um, especially if they're thinking about, uh, you know, launching and uh, and getting everything kind of set up and uh that'd be awesome and uh i really appreciate it lucy for coming on and and sharing this and i'm sure we'll have you back on too because you you kind of have your your hands in the marketplace and other people's brands which is kind (laughs) of interesting so i I always love to be able to hear as far as especially in this side of things i don't have a lot of experience so it's always an education for me so i want to thank you once again i want to wish you luck on your hike by the way and uh and have fun (laughs)
1: Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah, no
0: problem. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch. And I, again, want to just say thanks for coming on.
1: All right, perfect. Thanks so much, Scott.
0: Okay, so this is one thing that I want to say here. Connections, connections, connections. This is what it's all about. And it doesn't matter what business you are in. When you have the right people that you can reach out to, resources, that is, people like Lucy Marshall and World First it is going to make it easier for you to expand your business whether that's in a new marketplace whether that's you know in a new you know country that you want to be able to sell into or just anything right anything in business to be able to go out there and learn from people that are actually doing it because we're not going to be able to be the expert in every single thing that we do but if we have the right connections and here's the deal These guys have their own connections that they get to connect you with. And that's why I love this podcast because now I have two really awesome connections. I have Lucy and I have Jason McGee. So, you know, I'm just, I feel really grateful to have those connections, but now also to to give you guys those connections. And that's really what it's all about. Depending on where you are in your journey, you know, when you decide to go global, if you do it all. Or just other platforms. Uh, like, this is a resource for you. So, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys the link directly to go to their website, okay, and their company's website. And then you can get more information. And you can find that by heading over to the amazing forward slash world first. All right, and you'll get all the information over there. And there's no spaces or anything. It's just the amazing seller.com forward slash world first. And you'll get that. Uh, or, or you'll you'll go on their website and you'll be able to reach out to those guys or just send uh, you know send them an email. I'll also I'll also go ahead and I'll link up their emails, both of them, Jason and Lucy, in the show notes. Um, I'll also put the link to the website there as well. But uh, yeah, I mean There's a lot, a lot that goes on, right? There's a lot of things that go into globally selling your products and that's okay, but you can also see these guys know exactly what it takes and they want you and me to be able to get up and running on another platform. And you can hear how Lucy said, like, not every platform is right for you right now. Not every channel is right for you right now. Go after the low hanging fruit. Again, if you're, if you're uh, you know, selling, you know, a product in Germany, it's going to be a little bit harder maybe for you because you have to do some translation than if you just went to the UK, right? So you can hear like all of the things that we discussed is there for you to take advantage of what is already there for you without having to do a ton more work. And then also for them to eliminate anything as far as, or any, any issues as far as, you know, transferring the money from one place to the other and then them also connecting you with other people that can help you with fulfillment and all of that stuff. So I can't say it enough. Connections are huge and uh, I would definitely reach out to those guys if you are at all interested in learning more about it or maybe even if you just had a question. I mean, they're so willing to give and to share uh, I would definitely reach out to uh, to those guys over there at World First. So again, guys, TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash World First. I'll put them up on the resources page and I'll put them up on the show notes page. And you're probably going to want to grab the transcripts and the show notes to today's episode. Head over to TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash 413. You'll get all that stuff there. And I do plan on having these guys back on again because we, there's just so much more that we can dig into. So um, definitely look for an upcoming episode in the future. So that's pretty much going to wrap it up, guys. I did want to just say thank you so much for being a listener. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and uh, and listening to the podcast. I also want to thank everyone that is part of our TAS community over there on Facebook. We are over 50,000 strong now over there, and there's a ton of great people there. If you're not part of that, I definitely would encourage you to go over there there and be a part of that amazing community. Head over to TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash F as in Frank, be as in boy, and uh, just get involved and reach out and make those connections. All right, guys. So that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Remember, as always, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I am rooting for you, but you have to. You have to. Come on. Say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode.